It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The new Big Three misses out on its last chance to make an NBA Finals in 2012. We're talking about it here on this Friday, Locked On Celtics. Millie, let's go. Hey there, John Corrales here from MassLive.com saying thank you once again for making this show part of your daily routine. Still daily, minus my vacation week, where I still did three shows for you, by the way. I took a vacation and still gave you three podcasts. I feel like that's dedication. I feel like that should earn a five-star rating, a good written review, or at least a decent written review. I want to thank everybody for continuing to download the show. I really do appreciate it. I'm working hard. You're working hard. We're all working hard. We're trying to get through it, and we're doing it together. So I appreciate you integrating this into your life. It means a lot. Coming up, segments two and three are going to be the end of the 2012 season. The Boston Celtics get to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. Remember, as we come into this podcast, the Celtics had a 3-2 lead. So this is when LeBron goes supernova. And we're going to talk about this and all of the things that it means for LeBron's career. That's going to be in segments two and three. As far as regular basketball, and we're, we're waiting to see what happens, and the NBA continues to march towards a return, there are a couple of little notes that I should mention. Uh, first and foremost, I think, a very important one, Zach Lowe on his podcast mentioned that I can tell you for 100% fact, there are more players that have tested positive than have been reported or revealed. This is the COVID-19 testing that has been done over the past week. Started on the 23rd. This is the show for the 26th. And not every single one of them has been reported. I don't know if they're going to be reported. I don't know what the policy is going to be, or what the policy currently is for reported COVID reporting COVID-19 positive tests. Um, the NBA can and teams can hide behind the, the HIPAA rules, but they also have a history, like they are supposed to be revealing injuries. And if they're going to be treating COVID-19 like an injury, I feel like we should know if there are players who are testing positive for COVID-19. The NBA is treating it like an injury, so let's treat the reporting of it like an injury. As of right now, no hints that any Celtics have tested positive. I don't know if any Celtics tested have tested positive. That doesn't mean that they haven't. I just don't know if they have. Maybe we'll get some clarity as we get through Friday into the weekend. Maybe tests aren't back yet. I don't know. 
maybe they do know they're not telling us. I have no idea. So we'll wait to see if any Celtics have tested positive. Uh, as far as we know, there are a few guys who have tested positive. Alex Len is the latest one. I'm I'm curious to hear what your takes are, and you can hit me up on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John if you don't know. Uh, if I, I'm curious to see what you think this means, because to me, I can I can kind of go two different ways with this. On one side, it doesn't sound good because these players are out there. They're already all of these players testing positive, and that's not great. You obviously don't want anybody to test positive, but also these are 20 something year old people who are probably either going to be asymptomatic or get mild symptoms. And hopefully they don't transmit it to anybody. Or you can look at it as like, well, we knew there were going to be people who test positive and the NBA built its schedule for a return based around the inevitable positive tests. This is why the Celtics are not traveling to Orlando until July 8th. And this is the June 26th show. They're not traveling until July 8th. And the first round of teams going to Orlando, not till July 7th. They're not leaving until then because this gives them time to have their positive tests and get people healthy. Go through your quarantine, get a negative test, and then head down. And then when you're down there, you got to quarantine again. This is why this is all staggered this way. They know, they know that guys are going to test positive. So, I, 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 where I land right now is, I know people are freaking out over the Florida numbers, over the national numbers. Hell, the CDC came out and said there's probably it's probably ten times higher than what it really is. Then, then because of the testing numbers, like each positive test, there's probably like 10 more that were actually positive. Each test represents 10 more people who are positive. And that's scary. And a lot of fans look at that as like, well, why, why would you play sports in an environment like this? And I agree. Like I agree in general, like, if the Celtics were, if the NBA was trying to come back and play sports in the home arenas, that would be stupid. But they, they've they set up this bubble, and I still feel like with all of these positive tests, where I land is when you let these guys go do their own thing, they're going into situations where they test positive. And some of it may be unavo- unavoidable. Maybe they're just going grocery shopping. Maybe they just hung around an uncle that had it. Who knows? But on their own, living their normal lives, players are testing positive. In this bubble, get them down to Orlando under all of these incredible circumstances where there is all of this controlled environment, disinfecting and all of that stuff. I feel like that's safer than what these guys are doing going from their apartments to a practice facility and then who knows where and then back home and who they're hanging around with. There's no control over who goes in and out of these guys' houses. In Orlando at Disney, there's going to be more control. There's only a certain amount of people who are allowed in. 
and that's going to suck for them on a personal level, but from a COVID-19 level, from an infectious level, limiting the people that they're, they're around is, is going to be better. So there's certainly a part of me that says, if you stick everybody on this campus in Disney, they're under much more control as far as an infectious disease thing is concerned. So you're not letting who knows who, where, what into their sphere. So getting them there makes them actually safer. As I've said before, the, the positive tests in Florida are scary mostly because it's the Disney employees. And if there's any concern, like I really don't have a, a, a super high level of concern for players and staff. I feel like this is going to be okay for the people, the NBA related people. I feel like this is going to be okay. It's the Disney people. And I've said it before. I'll, I'll repeat it. I'm happy to repeat myself here. Those people working for Disney coming in and out of the Disney campus, how safe are they going to be? Is the NBA putting those people, those employees who are working hourly wage jobs mostly, are, is the NBA putting them at risk? And if they are, how can we fix that? Like, that's my number one thing. If those people who are working jobs that they need, if those people are at greater risk because they're coming in and out of the campus, is there a way to get them in and out safely, not make them more exposed to COVID? Because they're the ones I think they're going to be in most, mostly in harm's way. And I'm not quite as worried of uh, about NBA personnel getting sick, getting seriously sick. Although I'm, I'm, I am worried about that. But I feel like the care around them, the the precautions being taken, if anybody does get sick, it's going to get caught so early that it'll be it'll be handled. So I feel like the NBA related people are going to be fine. But if the NBA was responsible for Disney employee getting sick, seriously sick, becoming a spreader, that's that's really that's going to be the the biggest black eye for the league. So I feel like the NBA needs to take those precautions. More so than just taking the precautions for can you they they can figure out how to keep the COVID from coming in. Like if this is a person who is handling the room, like you can disinfect a room. You can have this person come in and fix up the room and then spray the disinfectant, have somebody from the NBA come in and make sure that everything's disinfected. You you can take those precautions. I'm worried about the people for who are working for Disney that will be coming in and out. But for now, we're waiting to see on NBA pl- players testing positive. We'll see if any Celtics have tested positive. We know that the Celtics are leaving on July 8th in a group that involves the Celtics, Mavericks, Clippers, Grizzlies, Heat, Pelican, Thunder, Kings. Uh, don't know why it's broken down that way. It feels like there are, because there are three resorts it feels like it's 
spread out amongst the, the three different tiers. So the Celtics and Clippers are in that first tier. I think Miami might be in there or Dallas. Um, Grizzlies, Pelicans are in the Kings are in that lower tier. The Thunder, I think the Thunder and the Heat might be in that middle one. So they're staggering the number of teams moving in. We'll see. We'll see. I I still I default to optimist, so I still think that the the NBA has a way to pull this off. I still can differentiate what the NBA is doing from the rest of the COVID nineteen madness that's going on in Florida and around the country. So I still think that it's possible. We'll see. I also think it's very possible that they can restart and then cancel halfway through. Like I, I think that's a distinct possibility that they might, they might have to midway through just say, you know what, pull the plug on it, forget it, dump it, it's over. That, that's certainly a possibility. There will be a lot more to say about this moving forward next week. Uh, I'm sure this weekend's going to be full of news, and we're going to have more positive tests. Hopefully, not as many as as has been kind of hinted at, but I'm sure there are going to be plenty and hopefully everybody's okay. We're going to come back to talk about the 2012 Boston Celtics and being on the cusp of an NBA finals appearance facing what would have been the Oklahoma city thunder and, and who knows how that series would have gone, but Celtics, as we pick things up, me and Mike Diner from RedsArmy.com, Celtics up 3-2 in the conference finals, and then LeBron becomes LeBron. That's next. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I've talked about Built Bar a lot on this podcast. I was given a free box of Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar that's low in calorie, gives you all the protein that you want, uh, not a ton of extra carbs, not a ton of extra sugar. You're going to get just what you want, protein without the added crap. I've got that free box, but I've also now ordered three extra boxes on top of it with my own money. 
And that's because right now they're giving you 50% off everything. So if you go to BuiltBar.com, you're going to see the closeout because they're, they're changing the formula. I love these Built Bars, so I'm cashing in right now and getting a deep discount on these great protein bars. Just for example, this coconut almond, which is great, 130 calories, 18 grams of protein, 3 grams of sugar. Compare that to any other protein bar on the market. You're not going to find that kind of nutritional value in this kind of bar, and it tastes awesome. On top of that, they're going to donate 100% of the profits from this closeout sale to organizations that support education, poverty, equality, and ending hate and racism. Those organizations are the Black Girls Code, Pretty Brown Girl, 512, Common Ground Foundation, and the Innocence Project. It's all on their website. These are great causes. So if you go and you buy your Built Bars now with the promo code locked on to get $10 off your first order, stock up, get 50% off everything at least, and 100% of the profits are going to those fantastic five organizations. BuiltBar.com, use the promo code locked on, $10 off your first order. I shouldn't blame the Celtics. Game six in Boston, uh, the Celtics were just steamrolled by yes. LeBron James. There's just no other way to put it. LeBron James comes out, and it may still be his best overall game ever. If and I'm not, I'm, I'm not really sitting here prepared to like want to get some of the locked on heat people on to to maybe get a, a further debate, but. I'm sure if this is not at the top, it's near the top of his best games ever played. I mean, look at Dwayne Wade scored 17 points in this game. Everyone else scored single digits and they still managed 98 points because LeBron dropped 45 points on 19 of 26 shooting two of four from three, 15 rebounds, five assists. Uh, it was, it was the ultimate LeBron game. It, and, the only thing that would hold me back from saying it was it was obviously a very dominant LeBron game, but he was hitting jump shots in this game. Like LeBron James dominating a game is not generally done through jump shots, but he was hitting jumpers. Uh, and he was still not, at this point in his career, not seen as a, a good three-point shooter. He's not particularly a great three-point shooter, but he hit two of four in this game. I mean, for his career, what's he shooting? 34%. So, but back then, he was shooting, what was he in 11-12? Oh, well, actually, he had a pretty good shooting season, 36% from three that year. But he still, that was not his game. But he was just burying jumpers against the Celtics. Yeah, and uh, again, context matters. And in context here, this was, he was on a mission. You know, he was, I think, you could... You can make a case that this was the game that made LeBron who he is and who he became, you know, the ultimate big game player. Because he, I don't care what anybody says, he is a, really a clutch player. Uh, a lot of people still have doubts about that, but I don't want, I, we, we suffered for this. We, we paid the price as fans, uh, when we had a chance right there in our hands in our own building to go to the finals, and he just wouldn't let it happen. From the very beginning of that game, he dominated it. 
he, he imposed his will. Shot 19 of 26. He kept waiting for him to hit a little bit of a cold streak, and it never happened. He just wouldn't let it happen. He, he just took over the game from the first minute to the last minute. Yep. And, yeah, you can't do anything except say, holy good God, <laughs> how did he do that? Yep. And, and then it was sort of, at that point, you had to figure, geez, if he did that, in the closeout game, potential closeout, then you can't expect that he's going to let Game Seven get away. And I was, it was very, it was really down. I was really down about that whole thing, as I'm sure a lot of every Celtics fan was, uh, because you know the big three was coming to an end. You could tell, yeah. And this was going to be probably their last good chance to make it to the finals again, and. As it turned out, it was the last good chance. It was. LeBron missed two shots in the first half of that game. Shot 12 of 14 in the first half. Dropped 30 points on the Celtics. <laughs> and just, like you said, the, the Celtics were only down 10 after the first quarter. They were down 13 going into the into the half. They And down 13 going into the fourth, which... Felt like a lot more back then because of the level of defense that was being played in that game. Uh, nowadays, 13 points in a quarter, you can overcome that, it feels like, fairly easily with all the three-point shooting. But even so, they they held the Celtics to 18 in, in that in that game, uh, in that fourth quarter. Uh, Paul Pierce did not have a good game, only shot four of 18, nine points. Uh, only only Rondo scored, he, he had 20, 21 and 10, 10 assists. Ray Allen only scored 10 points. Kevin Garnett only managed 12 points on 6 of 14 shooting. I mean, the big three really did not come up with anything. In fact, the big three combined for, what, 20, 31 points. So LeBron himself outscored the big three by 14. So, I mean, that's – that. this is – this is – you're right. This is, this is LeBron's turnaround because they – they win, they win the title. They go on to win a title here. But, yeah. but if they don't, how does how do things change for LeBron? At this point, LeBron still has that kind of like not clutch label put on him. This is you could sit there and say it, it, this is not true, but this is where the perception is that this is his real first really really clutch game where he he. He willed a team to a win after being down three two. This is this is where things turn around because this is the first of two consecutive championships for for him, and so on and so on. But if the Celtics come back, if somebody steps up, if Pierce ends up catching fire, or whatever, LeBron said after, like I forget when he did the interview, but he said if they lost that. That that was what year two or three of the the Miami Big Three. They were. Hmm. He was afraid that Pat Riley would be like, you know what, this isn't working. We're going to break this up, and then who knows what. So not only would LeBron not have this championship, he wouldn't have that next championship, and then would he go back to Cleveland when he went back to Cleveland and win that championship? It's it's there is a timeline that exists where. The Celtics come back and win this series, regardless of whatever happens, and LeBron doesn't win 
any championships. It's hard to conceive because he's, he's as good as he is. But if he doesn't win this championship and they break up the Miami Heat, who knows what happens after that. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. You know, it reminds me in a little bit, a little bit of uh, what happened to the 76ers in the 1970s after they got Julius Irving and it was uh, the late 70s, and they were considered to be the favorite or one of a handful of favorites for the title in the NBA. And they went to the finals in 77, and they had a two-game-to-nothing lead against Portland. And then Portland won four straight with Bill Walton and won the series. And then after that, uh, the 76ers came up with a marketing slogan, we owe you one meaning to the fans. We let oh. that one get away, but we're going to we're gonna make up for it. <laughs> they didn't. It took them until like 83, I think it was, to win a title finally. And by then, you know, their team had gone through several changes. But that's what the situation could have been for LeBron and Miami, as you were talking about. That was their second year with their big three. And if they had failed... And especially if they had lost four straight to get, you know, backdoor broomed out of the, yeah, right. To get so, so sort of swept out of right, the playoffs, right. that would have been humiliating for them. And maybe that would have been the, the knockout punch to that whole idea of them playing together. Who knows? You never, you really can't tell what NBA history might have looked like if that game had gone to Boston, but that is what makes LeBron LeBron. He figured that out, and he knew that he had to have that game. He knew. It was a legacy-defining moment, and he came through. I mean, I I hate to lose to that guy every year, and it's happened like five times the past ten years, and you know, but you can't deny that he just took care of it he he i never i'm my overriding sense from that game was that i never had a feeling like the celtics were going to be able to mount a comeback every time there looked like a glimmer of hope he did something to put it out yep i mean that's that's the only way you can put it is the only way you can put it um and then he continues that in game seven where the celtics Go back to Miami and lose by was like thirteen and a just disappointing the second half. The Celtics were up going into the half, 
but they they really get outscored. Uh, I'm trying to do the quick math in my head uh, by was it like 20 in the second? Yeah, they get outscored by 20 in the second half and lose 101 88. And in this in this one, LeBron awesome again. Uh, he has. 31 points, 12 rebounds, couple of assists, uh, and that's it. The Celtics lose. The kind of go out with a little bit of a whimper. Paul Pierce did okay in that game. Uh, Kevin Garnett was okay in that game. Ray Allen was uh, didn't shoot particularly great, but he was okay. I mean, everybody was okay, but the Celtics got two points off their bench, and that was their undoing. Hmm. Rondo had a triple-double, 22 points, um, 10 rebounds, 14 assists. Rondo played well in this series. He was the top player. Uh, yes. You know, unfortunately, uh, the uh, the big three couldn't match what he did because if they had, they would have won. But, you know, he had uh, some optimism about uh what where Rondo could get to, you know, what was in the future for him. Unfortunately, uh, the other the three stars were nearing the end. You know, the next year was going to be the end of their time in Boston, which we didn't know, of course, but um, that's how it worked out. So this was really losing this uh, in the fourth quarter. They got outscored twenty-eight to fifteen, and. So Miami pulled away, won the series, and in hindsight, this was really the last good chance that the uh, big three had to go all the way. Yeah, that was it. I mean, the Celtics, I mean, anytime you had, you know, we went into that next year kind of like hoping that they would have a, a good shot, and we'll we'll get to that conversation in a bit, but... Um, they were just, uh, it, it, it just didn't, it didn't materialize. You could see pretty quickly that it wasn't going to materialize. They, uh, they lose Ray Allen in that off season. So, Oh, did they? I didn't recall. <laughs> it slipped my mind. I, I, I must've blocked that out. Mm, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll save the Ray Allen discussion for, <laughs> A separate I, podcast. I, I bet that was controversial, too. I seem to recall that some people were mildly upset by it. Yeah. Yeah, now things start to fall apart. Ray Allen, gone this summer, and I can't wait to get everybody's reaction to that. My reaction has always been, like, he was a free agent, and he was well within his rights to do what he did. And even though I didn't like it, it's business is business. He was almost traded, and so he decided to turn around and leave as a free agent. I felt the same way around about Kevin Durant. I didn't think that was – I get it. I get why people are upset, but I didn't think I, – I wasn't pissed at him. It just is what it is. They took advantage of – he took advantage of a system, a, a loophole that was only open for that one time. I'll talk about that a lot more when we come back. Next week on the podcast, we're getting into the the trade. Paul Pierce gone, Kevin Garnett gone. Pretty soon, we're going to get to the point where Brad Stevens comes in 
And that surprise higher, that took everybody by surprise. So subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. If you have, go ahead and give us a five-star rating, a good written review. Follow us on Spotify if you haven't done that, by the way. If you're a Spotify user, you can follow us on Spotify. And that's that's a way a lot more people are listening to podcasts now. So go ahead and do that. Thank you to Built Bar for sponsoring the podcast. It is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That's it for the Lockdown Celtics podcast this week. Now go tell your smart device to play the new episode of Rejecting the Screen. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.